In their own words, a collection of Mormon quotations has been a handy resource that details what Mormon leaders and manuals have taught regarding the doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Compiled by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever, In Their Own Words has thousands of topical entries, and as a bonus, each copy includes a searchable CD version of the book. Order In Their Own Words directly from Mormonism Research Ministry at mrm.org. Once again, that's mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. What does the first vision reveal about the Father and the Son? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. In the December 2022 edition of the Liahona Magazine, and that is the magazine that is primarily for adult members in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there was an article on page U5. What does that page number signify? Well, Eric, this is an article that is not in the section of the Leahona magazine that all members would be able to read if they had a subscription to this magazine. This is an insert portion of the magazine that is given only to those who live in the United States and Canada, in other words, North American members. So if you live in South America and you subscribe to the Leahona magazine, you don't have this article in your edition. My question is, why not? If this is so important, and apparently the author, whose name is Mark A. Matthews, he's a, an LDS educator, an adjunct Brigham Young University professor, and he also works with the church in their seminaries and institutes, he is going to write this article, and he's going to go beyond, I think, what most people think the first vision was all about, and that was mainly a criticism of all the other churches, and we want to talk about that. But why is it, if this is so important, that all members are not allowed to read an article like this? You would think they should be able to. Now, underneath the article title, What the First Vision Reveals About the Father and the Son, it says this. The first vision not only reveals much about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, but shows us how we can come to know them, too. We can come to know them, too. Them is capitalized, so obviously it's a reference to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Does that not seem to imply, Eric, that if you don't believe in the first vision, that maybe we don't really know them? at all, or maybe partially, or in an insignificant manner, but certainly not enough, at least the way this author is going to explain it later on in this, in this piece. There's a lot of innuendo in this article, but one thing I noticed that Mr. Matthews does not do, he does not really talk about the main message that we take away from the first vision, and that is when Joseph Smith claimed that he saw both God the Father and Jesus standing above him in the air, he was told that all the churches were wrong, their creeds were an abomination, 
and their professors were all corrupt. Now, how do we interpret the word professors? It could be a professor as someone who leads a congregation, perhaps, or teaches in a seminary, perhaps, or it could be all those who profess the beliefs of the existing churches up until that time. In fact, the rest of that verse, verse 19 in Joseph Smith history says, they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They teach for doctrines, the commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. In the next verse, verse 20, this is what Joseph Smith says. He told his mother, I have learned for myself that Presbyterianism is not true. So what did he get out of what God the Father and Jesus supposedly told him? That Presbyterianism wasn't true, and I'm guessing all of the other denominations were not true. So that's a very powerful verse, and it is left out of this article. There's something in what you said, Eric, that I think we need to discuss. He said that Presbyterianism is not true. Now, the Presbyterians, their statement of faith basically goes along the lines of the Westminster Confession. If you go through the Westminster Confession, you're going to find something very intriguing. Every point they make is backed up by Bible verses. In other words, they did not come to these conclusions based on mere emotions or even experience. They came to these conclusions based on what the Word of God has to say about those individual topics that are being discussed in the Confession. The same is true for the Augsburg Confession. The same is true for the London Confession. These are all backed up by Scripture. Notice, Joseph Smith doesn't have to do that at all. It all goes down to his experience and an experience he claimed to have when he was all by himself. So there weren't any witnesses to what he experienced. Another part that bothers me is this whole first vision, as Joseph Smith claimed it to be, is something that it looks like he is piecing together over time. He never talks about the first vision in the early years of Mormonism. We don't hear anything about this first vision till after the church is organized, after April 6th, 1830. If it was such a big deal that supposedly took place in the spring of 1820, why is it we don't hear Joseph Smith talking about it? Now, after the fact, he'll, he'll make a reference as if he always was talking about it, but there's no evidence to support that. He covers his bases by making comments that go backwards, but there's nothing by him at that time when these things supposedly took place. So it's very questionable. But Mr. Matthews is going to go on and start off his piece by saying, a few years ago, I was teaching a seminary class about the first vision. As part of the discussion, I spoke about the power of sharing that story in missionary work and why it has always been part of our first lesson since the beginning of organized missionary lesson plans. Bill, I'm going to say leaders have taught exactly this, that the first vision is bedrock theology. In fact, that's what Ezra Tapp Benson, the 13th president of the church, said. The first vision of the prophet Joseph Smith is bedrock theology to the church. So the church hinges on this historical event. Spencer Kimball, 12th president, said Joseph Smith's first vision restored knowledge of God. Of all the great events of the century, none compared with the first vision of Joseph Smith. And then 15th president Gordon B. Hinckley said our whole strength rests on the validity 
of that vision. It either occurred or it did not occur. And he goes on and says if, that if it did not, the work is a fraud. And I'm going to say that what he's suggesting here, that uh, the power of the missionary work, if you don't have the first vision, you don't have Mormonism as a religion. But if it's not true, on the other hand, then the whole religion falls apart. Well, he goes on in this opening line to say, one of my students raised an objection, saying, Brother Matthews, I think that as missionaries, we should teach the world about Jesus Christ, not about the first vision. I would say amen to that. I would. Uh, of course, I would like them to teach a proper understanding of Jesus Christ, but then it, the article goes on to say, on the screen in front of the class was a well-known image of the first vision painted by Del Parson. I pointed to it and asked my students what he saw. Without really looking up or giving it much thought, he said, I see Joseph Smith. That's my point. I think as missionaries, we should teach about Jesus Christ, not Joseph Smith. Now, obviously, Mr. Matthews isn't going to agree with what this student is saying. He's going to go on to say, I asked him to look at it again and tell me what else he saw. More thoughtfully this time, he looked up, stared for a moment, and reflected. I could visibly see when the light turned on in his mind. He said, I see Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. I think I see your point. The first vision is not just about Joseph Smith. I believe that this story represents a common misunderstanding about the first vision and the reason why we sometimes fail to value it as much as we should. What makes the story so powerful is not that a farm boy named Joseph Smith went into the woods. Farm boys go into the woods all the time. That's not news. What makes the story so powerful is that God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, revealed themselves to that farm boy. And in the process, they revealed themselves to all of us. It was their great introductory revelation to the world in the latter days. Now, the problem I have with that statement that Mr. Matthews is making is it seems to overlook a very important comment that was made in the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. And we know that Joseph Smith claimed that he was commanded by God to give a new rendering of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, and you would assume by this command that Smith allegedly receives from God that he's supposed to correct all the problem areas. Remember, the LDS Church tells us that they believe the Bible to be the Word of God only as far as it is translated correctly. And what that really means is that it was not actually transmitted accurately as it was hand-copied down through the centuries. Joseph Smith does make some significant changes in the Joseph Smith translation. One of them has to do with what I think is a problem with Joseph Smith's first vision account, and that is found in Exodus 33.20 in the Joseph Smith translation. And this is what it says, And he said unto Moses, Thou canst not see my face at this time, lest my anger is kindled against thee also, and I destroy thee and thy people. For there shall no man among them see me at this time and live, for they are exceeding sinful. And no sinful man hath at any time, neither shall there be any sinful man at any time that shall see my face and live. Now, the reason why this becomes so important is, is if you were to look at your edition of the Bible, I don't care what translation it is, you won't find all those words in there. 
You won't find where it talks about, and no sinful man hath at any time, neither shall there be any sinful man at any time that shall see my face and live. It does say that no man can see God and live, but it doesn't go into those details that Joseph Smith includes here. Why did Joseph Smith include those words? Why did he make it so clear that no one, no sinful human, which would include Joseph Smith, is going to see God's face and live? It's very simple, folks. Because Joseph Smith wasn't telling that story at the time he's doing this so-called translation. Remember, he finishes this in 1833. July of 1833 is when Joseph Smith claims that he finished this translation of the scriptures. At least at this time, he's not telling the story. That gets put into the story later on. It's in what's known as the official 1838 account. That's when this idea of the father now becomes a part of LDS history. From that point on, not from that point before. And this is why I get a little perturbed when I read articles such as this one, which includes a sidebar giving the impression that Joseph Smith's many accounts of the first vision are all harmonious. They're really not. Not if you look at all the details. You, you do see some striking inconsistencies there. The biggest, of course, being there's no mention of God the Father before 1838. And yet that is the big deal about the first vision. It's not that Jesus showed up. It's that God the Father shows up. But yet my question is, is if the Joseph Smith translation is accurate, how did Joseph Smith see the face of God the Father and live to tell about it. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.